good morning, Anthem Church. It is great to see you guys in here. Uh, Sundays are fun days, and uh, we love to open up God's Word and learn from it. So uh, go ahead, grab your Bibles, and uh, get them out in front of you. We'll be bouncing around in a few different passages with one another this morning. And so my name's Nick. I'm the Director of Worship and Formation here, uh, which means I get to help oversee the music. Uh, for this uh, service on Sunday mornings, as well as help oversee what happens on Thursday nights through Joe Dye, uh, who's overseeing salt worship. And so that's part of my role, and then also uh, help with community groups and just the, the formation and spiritual development of uh, one another on the community side of the church as well. And so anyway, this morning, the topic that we're going to be hitting on is the principle of the plow. And what I mean when I say plow is work. I know we're not necessarily in agricultural times as much now as individuals. There, there used to be far more many people uh, out in the countryside working the ground, working a plow, and now many of us city dwellers here in Columbia at least do not. And so anyway, when we're talking about the principle of the plow, we're talking about the principle of work. And to understand work, yes, we'll work through uh, Proverbs 6 on this morning from the passage that Toby just read. Uh, but first, before we get going into that, we're actually going to look at four different uh, portions in Scripture talking about God's uh, overall plan and design for work and the, the plow. And so go ahead and turn to Genesis 1, and this is where we first see this idea of working the ground, plowing in God's Word. This is Genesis 1, 26. It says, Then God said, Let us, that is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you everything that is plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit you shall have them for food. So we can see there that it is God who orchestrated all of this. It's God who has created us. It's God who has uh, spoke and there was land, spoke and there was water, spoke and there was animals running along the land, spoke and there was creatures teeming in the waters. There was creatures flying through the sky. Genesis 1, we can learn much. We can learn where we came from. We can learn that God made us male and female. We can learn that God has also given us the plow. Before sin had filled the earth, God had called us to fill the earth with his glory through the ground. Through taking care of the creation he had given us, he called us to work in order that he could be glorified and that we could enjoy life with God in doing that. But then, of course, Genesis 3, uh, the fall happens. We go our own direction, right? Genesis 3, uh, God had set up a plan for, for how we would work in God's system, and we disobeyed. You guys ever disobeyed before? That's what we did in Genesis 3. And so in our disobedience, there's separation then between us and God. And in that separation then, maybe we think, okay, well, after the fall, maybe work's going to look different. Maybe God won't have us work anymore. Maybe God won't have us in relationship with him anymore. But even after the fall, God pursues us, calls us back to him, and calls us to work. In Ecclesiastes 12, 
at the end of the book, a book written by Solomon, a great book full of wisdom that speaks about uh, the, the, the meaningless feelings of life, the vain feelings of life, gets to the end, and this wise old guy just leaves with this punch of a statement and says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed or work into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. What was the end? What was the purpose? What was the duty that God was calling us to even after the fall? He was calling us to fear him or revere him, to have awe in him, to be in relationship with him and to obey his commandments. For in the end, we would be judged for every work that we would do. So after the fall, we were to work. What about in the age of Christ? So Christ comes to redeem us as, as, as broken sinners. Part of God's redemption plan was sending his son to earth, and so he sends Christ. Do we still need to work? We see in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul saying, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. There's so much in the New Testament that speaks of our work that we are to do. Even in light of Christ, even in light of the gospel, we're still to be a working people. During the age of the church that we're in now, we're to be a working people. What about in the age to come? What about when we pass away? What about when Christ returns? Do we need to be working then? Will we be working still? Let's see, Revelation 22. It says, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. In the end, we're going to be working the ground. We're going to be cultivating in life to bring God glory. We're going to be serving him. Work has been God's design from the beginning. The plow is something that he handed to us, not just with duty, but with joy, knowing that this is a way in which we can enjoy relationship with God. In the Westminster Catechism, it says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So this morning, we're talking about the principle of the plow because this is an eternal principle that God has given us and an eternal principle that we get to enjoy for all of our lives here and for all of our lives beyond here as well. And just to clarify, when, when we're talking about work, when we're talking about the plow, that doesn't just mean individuals in the room who have a nine to five. That doesn't just mean individuals who are between 16 and 60. When we talk about the plow, when we talk about work, when we see it in scripture, God has called us all to have a plow in hand and to be working the ground that we're on. And so if you're in here and you're five years old and you're excited for kindergarten, God's given you a plow and calling you to do a work as a student before your teachers. He's calling you to do a work in your home and honoring your parents and loving your parents. And so if you're five, God's given you a plow to work the ground. And welcome to Anthem if you're five in here this morning. And if you're 95, if you're on the other side of the spectrum, and you're in more of the golden years, and you're looking back, and you're noticing all the things that God has done in life, or maybe you're looking back and regretting different things that have happened, or, or things that you wish you would have done, there's still a plow that God has called you to hold, and a ground that he's given you to work in front of you. If we're breathing, he's given us a work to do. And so this morning, we're talking about the principle of the plow because it's what God has called us to do, to give him glory with the work that he has given us on the ground that we are on. So it should be a sermon for all of us. Everybody here is holding the plow. What are we going to do with it? Let me pray for us, and we'll begin to walk through Proverbs 6 with one another. 
God, I thank you that uh, your word instructs us, that your word is true. It guides us. It gives us understanding in what to do with the hours of each day. It gives us understanding of what to do in the seasons of life that we have. Sometimes they're great seasons. Sometimes they're hard seasons. We'll be young. We'll be old. We have many seasons in life, God. And Lord, as we work through this text, I pray that we would see that no matter the season that we're in, you've called us to a duty, to a certain work, and God, would you help us understand how to do that well. Lord, would you use these next few minutes in Jesus' name, amen. We'll go ahead and turn to Proverbs 6. That's where we'll be at for uh, pretty much the remainder of the morning. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 11. It's where we're going to be zooming in with one another. Uh, as you're turning there, I'll share the outline should be up on the screen. First, we're going to talk about nature and the plow. Secondly, we're going to talk about humanity and the plow. And thirdly, we'll talk about God and the plow. And so that being said, uh, let's read verses 6 to 8 of chapter 6 in Proverbs to see nature's practice when it comes to the plow and work. In verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. First thing to, to see here in verse 6 is it's saying, go to the ants. First thing to notice there is it's using the ant as the example and model for working the plow. Solomon, as he's writing this, he could have gone to a, a giraffe, the tallest animal. He could have gone to an elephant, the largest animal. He could have gone to a toucan, the prettiest animal, maybe depending on your preference. He could have gone to any of those, but no, instead, Solomon goes to the ant. The faithful worker who knew its purpose. He says, go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways. When it says consider her ways, that original language would say that that could mean discern, to perceive, to stare at her. So as the ant is working, as the ant is functioning, stare at her. Notice how she's working. Notice what she's doing with her time. Notice the way in which she's living. So as we look at verse 6, we have to see and understand that the ant was selected by Solomon for a reason. And as ants work, we are to learn from their work. Second thing that we can see in the passage here in verse 7, it says, Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares. Ants are creatures of integrity. They don't need a CEO. They don't need a manager. They don't need a security officer keeping an eye on them from afar. They understand their work, they engage in it, and that's how they live their life. They're creatures of integrity that are self-motivated and self-driven, and they keep themselves in check. And so Solomon's helping his readers see, you need to look at this small creature, this ant, see how she's working, understand how she's working, look at her integrity. Yes, she's small, but she's faithful. She's respectable. She's worth following. Stare at her. Consider her ways. And the final observation we can see in this portion when it comes to nature and the plow. Verse 8, it says, She, the ant, prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. An ant understands the importance of season. An ant understands the importance of engaging in the present and looking ahead to the future. 
I was reading quite a few facts about ants this last week because I was just intrigued. It's like, Solomon, why are you using the ant? Ants take 250 naps a day. Isn't that weird? 250 naps a day. And we're supposed to consider the ant. The more I read about it, though, it sounds like those 250 naps are eight seconds long. <laughs> so they just have some very specific but effective work-rest ratio, right? And so we look at the text, and it's saying, look at the ant, consider her, look at her. She prepares bread in summer and gathers food in harvest. An ant understands when it needs to rest and when it needs to work. And methodically, day by day, they form their huge colonies. They do what they need to do, glorifying God as nature, natural creation. And they execute because that's what ants do. There's a quote up on the screen about ants. It says, ants are known for their perseverance, diligence, energy, hard work, industrious and lively behavior. They are well organized. Each member has its job to do, from laying eggs to building a nest to gathering food. They are well disciplined. Ants always march one after the other without chaos, confusion, or disorder. Ants achieve success because of their unselfish nature and teamwork. Ants are good and quick decision makers, and ants are good planners. They collect and store food in the summer in order to meet its winter needs. They must have taken that from the Bible. Ants are thrift in nature. They carefully manage resources without waste. Ants embrace the task that God embedded in them. And they do it. What does nature do with a plow? They see the task and they follow through. So Solomon says, consider the ant, look at her, study her. She's going to teach you how to work. And so that's nature and the plow. What about humanity and the plow since the fall? Let's reread verses 6 to 8 and we'll carry on through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, be wise, without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. As we look at the humanity and their response to the plow. We've been given the plow. What is our response? In verse 6, we can see a humbling thing. It uses the word sluggard. It says, consider the ant, look at her way, O sluggard. When we look at that, we, we probably wish when it's saying sluggard, I, I hope that's talking about some other insect. I hope it's talking about like a slug. I hope it's talking about some other animal. No, the sluggard is talking about us. It's talking about people. Though we have a capacity to work, we also have a freedom and choice to not. In the garden, God gave us a special freedom that was different than every other part of creation. And in the same moment that we chose to go our own way in the garden, we also welcomed this confusion to the idea of work, and we lost the sight of the plow. And rather than plowing along like an ant, We've had these tendencies to be a sluggard, to be a sloth, to be idle, and to slack. The plow and humanity had a collision in the garden. And so many times we have this feeling of, well, I don't want to engage right now, or I don't want to work right now, I don't want to talk through this conversation, I'd rather just put that to the side, I'd, I'd rather just take a day off, rather take this conversation off, take this moment off. 
We say we want to rest just because we want to avoid the work that God has called us to. So the first thing to see here is a humbling thing that we have a tendency at times as humans to be a sluggard. The second thing we can see in verses 7 and 8 or implications that we can make about the sluggard. Seven, it says, without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. What Solomon is doing here is he's, he's glorifying the ant. He's talking about how they are able to just work without oversight, without somebody telling them what to do. They're able to just go for it. They're able to just work. And what do they do? They look ahead. Verse eight, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. I think he's glorifying these tendencies of the ant because these are tendencies that we don't have so often because of the fall, because of our brokenness and the choices that we make. We don't embody the things that the ants do. And so I assume during Solomon's day, there were people around him who were slacking in his workplace and they needed oversight. During Solomon's day, there were people who were idle and they needed to learn how to execute and how to plan. And so we can look at humanity in the plow and see that there's been a collision. Nature running its course, ants doing their duty. But when it comes to humanity in the plow, there's been a collision. And even beyond this idleness and this inability to execute and look ahead, we can look at verse 9 and see that there's two questions that bring conviction as well. It says, how long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Not only do we at times have this tendency and desire to, to avoid work, to run away from it, but after we've done that for a while, we also have this tendency, or else he wouldn't have been asking this question, we have this tendency to lie there and to sleep. Rather than engaging, we sit back and rest. God has called us to rest, and we need to rest. But he's also called us to work and to not avoid work when we ought not avoid. So beyond this idleness and inability to execute, this inability to look ahead, we also have this tendency to sleep. And while the the ant is getting the employee of the month, month after month after month. We at times are, are sitting back and waiting for someone else to do the job. We're, we're waiting for our boss to remind us of, oh yeah, I got to get that thing done. We're waiting for somebody else to maybe take the first step forward so that we don't have to take that responsibility upon ourselves. And we shirk the responsibilities in front of us. And so humanity, the sluggard, is being urged to simply wake up. And the thing is, we've been gifted with this great opportunity, right? As we see in Genesis 1, we've been given this opportunity by God to be overseeing all of creation. We get to help work the ground. We get to have a plow in hand. We get to enjoy life with God in relationship with him. And we also get to build communities. We also get to have church. We get to have family. And we get to help cultivate this beautiful creation that God has given us. But what do we do? We have this tendency since the fall to sit back, to pause, to slack, to wait, to let others take the responsibility. And we're left in idleness. And where does this slothful nature and sleep take us? In verse 10, it says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. It leads us to this place where we have this attitude of, well, maybe I'll just do what I need to do later. Maybe I'll just pause for now. 
and I'll get to it later. I'm just going to fold my hands for a little bit. I'm just going to rest for a little bit. I'm just going to slumber a little bit longer, and then I'll do what I need to do. But where does that lead? Verse 11, it says, In doing that, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and you will want like an armed man. What starts as a little rest leads to a lifestyle of waste and want. And the longer we sit back, the harder it is to get up and do what we know we've been called to do. And so the principle of the plow calls us to be people who are looking at the ant, modeling what the ant does, and looking to glorify God with our work. And so we have to be able to, to pause and ask ourselves, it's like, okay, how am I doing when it comes to engaging the plow? When it comes to my nine to five in the workplace, am I working to the glory of God or am I working to the glory of self? When I think about the work that I need to be doing uh, at my home, maybe among my roommates, maybe there's conversations that I need to be having, responsibilities within the home, simple things that I, I should be doing to love my roommates well. Am I being faithful with the plow there? Or am I sitting back, am I waiting for somebody else to do what I know I ought to do? Or maybe in your friend circles, in, in the church atmosphere, in the different places that you live, are you picking up the plow? Are you working the ground there? Or are you pausing and trying to get out of work? How do you engage the plow? Throughout Scripture, I think we can see that humanity has many different responses to the plow. These will be up on the screen. Our first response at times is to escape the plow. That's, that's what's very evident here in Proverbs 6. The sluggard is trying to escape the plow. The sluggard is trying to, to get away from the work that they're watching the ant do. The sluggard is trying to come up with excuses so that they don't have to engage in the conviction that they sense in their heart. Some spend their energy escaping the plow rather than engaging it. With statements like, well, if I have a little less responsibility, maybe then I can just focus on what matters. And we make these statements believing that it's going to lead us to a place of peace, lead us to a place without anxiety, lead us to a place without worry, lead us to a place where we don't have this purposeless feeling anymore. But in doing so, and in, in trying to escape the plow, we actually buy for ourselves a whole new life of problems. Some live to escape the plow and they wake aimless and they sleep restless. The second response that we have at, at many times, we're very good at this one in America, I would say. Second response to the plow is we abuse the plow. Many of us, we have ant-like qualities. We have purpose. We have action. We have drive. Maybe we got that 250 nap thing down per day and we figure that out and, and we abuse the plow though. Because rather than glorifying God with the work that we're doing, we're glorifying ourselves. And so we're in school extra long just so we can get that job that's going to get us a little bit more pay. And we fight, fight, fight to get to the top in different industries, not necessarily for the glory of God, but for the glory of self. And when we're doing that, we're abusing the plow. We're working the ground. We're cultivating, not for the glory of God, but for what we want to do or what we want others to see us doing. Sometimes we have these great aspirations, not even for our own joy, but just so other people can see us. And so we abuse the plow. Sometimes we escape it, and sometimes we abuse it. Some wake, live, and die for the plow, and they think that the plow is life. And in the end, they die apart from God because work was God. 
A third response that we can have is to respect the plow. A select few through the power of the Holy Spirit, we respect the plow that God has given us. In committing our life to revere and fear God, to be in relationship with Him, as we looked at in Ecclesiastes 12, some do that, they revere God, and then they commit their life to plow the field that He's given them. Their hope isn't in the plow, but they're working the ground to glorify God. And so as you think about your life, what, what is your interaction with the plow? When you think about work, when you think about engaging in the different circles that you're in, how are you doing in the field that you've been given? Humanity and the plow. We have that struggle. We want to escape it. We want to abuse the plow. But God calls us to respect the plow, something he's given us for now and for eternity. Philippians 2, 5 to 11, God gives us a window into his response to the plow. Philippians 2, 5 to 11, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We can look back at Genesis and see that God picked up the plow so that we could enjoy creation, so that we could give him glory with what we do in our lives. God picked up the plow, spoke things into existence, and his love runs so deep and so wide, and he is so gracious and generous that he, even when we broke that relationship with him, he sought us out. God picked up the plow again, and he offers us a second chance. God picked up the plow, and he sent Jesus to empty himself in the role of a servant, to be humbled to the point of becoming obedient to the point of death. And he took on the, the punishment that we deserved, even though we had gone our own way. Jesus did work so that we could have rest and purpose in him. So this morning, you, you have to be looking at this idea of, okay, ha have I surrendered to this king? Have I given my life to him? Am I one who's fearing God? Or am I walking alone a self-piloted life? Do you keep his commandments and work the ground like is spoken of in Ecclesiastes 12? Or do you run from the plow and live in idleness? Or maybe you grab the plow and live for self-glory and not for God? The hope for us this morning is that in Christ, we see God having picked up the plow so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be redeemed for no matter how we have been living. So Proverbs 6 isn't just about the 9 to 5. Proverbs 6, just, it's, it's not something that's just for adults. Proverbs 6 is for each one of us in this room. It's about our entire attitude towards life and if we're engaging in it. It's a maintenance check for our heart towards work, and the plow. 
Sociologist Ray Oldenburg describes three major spaces that we have in life. It's a diagram on the screen. The first space that we have is our home. We spend some of our time there. We spend much of our energy there. We have our home. We have our vocation. This is the, the thing that we do maybe during the day. Maybe it's a night shift. You do it during the night. For some of you, this, this might be your, your engineer role that, that you play somewhere in the area. Maybe you work at the university. For some of you, this is you as a student. For some of you, this is you as a son or as a daughter living life under your parents' care. We have our home, our vocation, and we also have the surplus, the extra time in our life, the time beyond the nine to five, the time beyond life at home. We have these spaces that God has given us. And so with those spaces in mind and this idea of a maintenance check in mind, looking at the screen, think through, all right, well, how am I doing with the plow in my home? How am I doing with the plow in my vocation? How am I doing with the plow with the surplus time that I have in life? Because at, at the end of the day, as we can see in Ecclesiastes 12, we're going to get to the end and God is going to hold us accountable for what we did with the time that we have here on earth. And so out of the 76 years that he gives us, I think that's the American average, something like that, out of the years that he gives us, what are we going to do with that time? What are you going to do in the home with the plow? What are you going to do in your vocation? What are you going to do with the surplus time? Consider the time, the gifts, the spaces he's given you and ask the question, am I respecting the plow and engaging in life to the glory of God? Am I working in those spaces or am I sitting on the sideline watching others do the work? And for me, uh, yeah, just, I can look back at my life and see that there's been many times where I, I have been not doing my part. I can look back at, at many different seasons where I was absolutely the slot. Up until 22, 23, when the Lord really did a work in my heart, I did not understand that there could be joy in holding a plow and doing work to the glory of God. Even in the last couple of weeks, I, I just, as I was preparing this sermon, it kept getting interrupted. My, my brother-in-law just got married in England, and it was great. We got to go to England, and it was fun. But then my wife got sick there, and my son got sick there. We had to change our flights like three times. And it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do about next sermon? Are we going to be able to have somebody else do it on Thursday, Friday, trying to figure out, well, who's going to do this because I've got to take care of my family, but I also have this conviction in my heart to preach this message, and I, and I want to be faithful in this work. And so many times this last week, I wanted to just like pause and not do anything. It's like, this is overwhelming. I don't want to deal with it, but what do we got to do? We have to hold that plow and remind ourselves that God has given us a great and glorious work, and we can see joy in the duty of work. And this last week, I wanted to focus on vocation because it's like, all right, we're getting ready for a sermon. It makes sense to work on it. But they're also over and over all week long, supposed to fly home on Tuesday, didn't get here till yesterday. The home had to be the priority. And that's not a bad thing that I had to glorify God with the plow in my home by taking care of my wife and taking care of my son. And so, so the point is God has given us all a chance here on earth. He's given us life. He's given us breath. He's given us purpose, and it's big, and it's wide, and it's deep. And the question is, what are you going to do with the plow that he's given you, the land that you have to till in front of you, whether you're five, whether you're 95, somewhere in between, you likely are somewhere in between. What are you going to do in your home, in your vocation, in the extra time 
in your life. God calls us to work, and we're called to look at the ant, to consider her way, to see that she's working the ground and plowing with all she's got to glorify him and not to glorify themselves. Let's be a church full of people striving to do the same. Let's pray. Lord, we just, we again thank you for the instruction that we can see here in your word. We thank you that we can have clarity in what to do with the time that we have here. And God, I pray that, that as we look at this passage, maybe even uh, throughout this week, we would be looking at this passage and asking ourselves, Lord, am I being faithful with the ground that you've given in front of me? God, am I being faithful to follow through with the convictions that are in my heart? Am I being faithful to follow through with what you've called me to in your word? God, we desire to be a church that continues to know, love, and obey you more and more. We desperately want to help reach more people in Columbia, that they would know you, be in relationship with you, follow after you. And God, I pray that as we're doing that, we would be able to model not just, hey, this is how you get in a relationship with God, but that we would be able to model what life with God looks like through every facet of our life, God, through our work, through using the plow. So God, just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this passage in Jesus' name. Amen.